to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schroll. Hey, and welcome back, y'all, to Subclass Act. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying the current arc. I've been trying to keep the systems coming. Um, so that we can we can try that we can try a bunch of different systems different oracles see how you like it um, at some point here I'll probably have run through most of the systems that I'm going to run at least for uh, the main arc um, and so then that would free up potentially for uh, smaller games like on mighty Thu's, maybe 24x um, and some of the smaller OSR games like maze rats even uh, which is a particular favorite of mine uh, for, uh, maybe, maybe one shots interspersed here or there. Other, other, other games that maybe have a harder time mixing with the current slew of systems for what we're doing for this arc, um, you know, like the Black Hack and other really good OSR games like that. Uh, I'd love to get into them sometime, but I think they, uh, it's hard to transfer from the modern games to the old games and keep with the same way that we've been playing just because they're different styles and different flavors. Um... So we're going to move on to another system for this episode and likely the next episode. Um, I might do one or two more systems and then I'll probably uh, we'll probably settle back into one to finish out the arc. Uh, and then we'll we'll go from there. We'll see how long. I have no idea how long this arc will last. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the end looks like. I haven't planned anything out ahead of time as I, uh, I never really do that. And yeah, we'll see how it goes and we'll see how long season two lasts and what uh, season three would potentially hold. But before I get too far into speculating about the future, um, we're going to get back into uh, the story with this episode. Um, But first I'm going to respond to a call in and then a review that I have missed somehow this whole time. Um, So hopefully you all will forgive me a review on uh, Apple podcasts. Um, So yeah, I'm going to respond to both of those and then we will get back into the thrust of the episode. Hey, James, Jason here. Really enjoyed listening to your latest episode. Now, if I came across negative on Genesis, that wasn't my intention. Just the idea that it's not something somebody used to other games could just pick up and run with, right? That's all I was saying. But no, it it sounds really neat. It sounds like like you're right. It sounds like it's almost ideally suited towards solo play or for that kind of narrative play, you know, with a group. So it definitely one of these days I'll have to give, give it a shot. Um, if, if Almighty Thews works in a game, that's great. If not, that's great too. Use it for a lunchtime game at work. No, no biggie. Um, and yeah, I, I think you should go with the, whatever game is calling to you for your next game. You, you know, um, I, I, I hesitate to, to be the only one recommending go to the next system. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I think good one calling to you the most, the one you're most excited about. Go with that. Thanks again, Jason, for calling in. Uh, yeah, uh, no worries. I, I totally understood. Um, and, and, you know, it's okay if you, even if you were being negative on Genesis, which I know that you weren't, but, um, but if you were, that's fine. Like, not everybody has to like it. Um, that's totally fine with me. Um, I actually, I do appreciate the critical nature. And I think there's a difference between being negative and being critical. Um, you're entitled to either, but I think you were critical and I think that's good. Um, and I think your criticism was, is, is very founded. I do think that, um, you're, like you said, you're not really going to have any help coming from really any other system. Uh, so you do have to, uh, learn it independently of other games. Um, you know, the basics of role-playing are definitely going to be there, but yeah, you're not going to find those mechanics anywhere else where, you know, Savage Worlds, at least you have target numbers and, and standard dice, you know, even same with 2D20. Uh, you know, Dungeon World, you usually have standard dice. A lot of these, you have at least standard dice. Fate, you don't have standard dice, but, um, and that might be the closest in the way that's different, um, but it doesn't have the other systems on, on top of it. So yeah, you're just not going to find... Um, coming from any other game really any familiarity in genesis uh i do think it's i do think it's cool i think it's fun uh for the right group but um but yeah it's definitely it's not something you just pick up and and play right away after playing something else for sure um i did enjoy it um and i think we're gonna i I think you're right too i'm gonna go with i haven't heard any other suggestions yet so um it's hard to go with my heart in here because there's so many games I, i like so many i'd like to play um, some of the which just aren't practical or pragmatic for the current arc. Um, like I thought about um, recently, I've been reading about Castles and Crusades, and I think that the uh, 
company behind that's very cool and i'd love to try that um, i think at this point moving from a mod moving back and forth from modern systems to osr games in an arc i found is challenging because they're just completely different flavors and they make different things happen and i love both i really do um uh even if taylor doesn't think so no i'm just kidding taylor anyway um uh, I, I think they're different flavors. It's hard to go back and forth. You know, it's hard to move in, the, in and out of some games. Like I thought about using Iron Sworn, which I really like, but it's easier if you've. It's not hard. It's not easy rather to switch in and out of Iron Sworn because of the way it's expecting to run your solo game and have the. Um, you know, I'd kind of have to update it with bonds that exist and kind of quests and progress towards those vows um, that are already in progress, and so it, it's just a little awkward to start it out that way in the middle. Um, even though that's an awesome system, you know, I love Troika. It's just not going to work here um, necessarily. Uh, so just trying to figure out what, what fits and what I haven't done yet. Um, I really, uh, I'm still thinking about at some point doing Pathfinder two at some point, but I do need to do a little bit more reading and prep on that one. Some of the others um, having not run it before um, and uh, fate core. I've been reading a lot of that. I've actually run that solo off air um, a couple times now um and that's really fun um so i might try that another time uh i'm gonna i think stick with a game i know better for this one and i love and i've thought about doing a million times on the show um that'll be for this uh particular episode um and so uh i'll come back to that next i want to go real quick to um uh to a review on apple podcasts from uh user misty 801 uh misty says Found this podcast after listening to Tales of the Manticore, which is a great show, by the way. Um, first season was a bit all over the place as settings switched from fantasy to more sci-fi, but I'm enjoying the second season where we're back to a traditional D&D setting using 5e rules. If you're a D&D fan, give this pod a try. Start in season two. Well, thank you so much if you're listening to this uh, episode of Misty801. I'm sorry that I didn't get to this earlier. Um, hopefully I haven't lost you at this point um, since I haven't been using the 5e rules the whole time. Um, at some point after exploring some of these, which seems that, uh, in general, people enjoyed switching systems and seeing how those work. Um, I'll probably for the rest of the season after one or two more systems, probably settle back into 5e. Um, because I, I, I do, I do love 5e. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I, I, hopefully it's come a long way from season one. It definitely was a little all over the place trying to figure this out. I'm still figuring this out. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's got some, some more fantasy legs on that one. Uh, so thanks so much for, for the review, for the recommendation. Uh, and yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, as a reminder, anybody, this is a, a totally free show. There's no Patreon or anything like that. Um, so my only payment is knowing that people enjoy the show. Uh, so if you enjoy it, you know, uh, and think somebody else would like it, if you wouldn't mind recommending it, uh, doing a review on, on whatever. Um, I'm taking a back on uh, a back uh, a step back. Well, I can't talk today. A step back um from some social media so i'm not on twitter as much recently um and i'm trying to take a step back from some of that and so um you're welcome to promote me on there um i probably won't be uh actively on there as much i'm on the audio dungeon discord but um but yeah uh let me know uh, do a call in you can call in on anchor.fm or you can send a recording uh to the email in the uh in the show notes um let me know if you if you do or don't want um the uh, review or the um, email or the audio recording to be on the show. Um, I'll assume that you want it to be on there, but if you don't, you can always let me know. But I'm just glad that people uh, hopefully get something out of the show and enjoy the show. Um, yes, I have I have noticed, I do want to take the time to say, I think I have noticed that there, um, uh, most of the feedback I've gotten um, uh, from not Jason, Jason is the most prolific podcast listener uh, and the most wonderful fan. Um, I've noticed that uh, other than Jason, a lot of the um, a lot of the feedback I get are, seems to be from uh, people who either it seem to either do mostly solo or at least a good chunk of solo playing, and have probably been doing that way longer than me. Uh, and I think that's very cool. I think I might have mentioned this briefly before, but there's a whole segment of the hobby that's uh, there's you know all kinds of facets of the hobby that don't always relate to each other. Um, you know, like the critical role fans may not even know like some of the other kinds of five E fans or um, you know, people who play Pathfinder may or may not mix with, with 5e, but you know, neither of those may or may not mix with, um, OSR or playing fate or playing Genesis or some of these other things. There's just all these facets of the hobby, which is really cool. And I think one that doesn't get maybe enough attention is the solo playing aspect. Um, 
because when I first started, I thought there was like, is this a crazy thing? Like I just, I couldn't quite get the games together I wanted, but I really wanted to be able to play these games. Is there any way I can do this without, you know, without anybody else? And it, there's this whole, um, it took me a little bit to find, but there's this whole segment of the hobby and people doing really cool stuff with that. So I just want to let you know that I appreciate all of y'all. And hopefully uh, this isn't just like cringeworthy for y'all who've been doing this for a while. <laughs> um, without further ado, we're going to get into the system that we're going to use for um, uh, for this episode. And then we'll, we'll get into the episode um, after that. Uh, just as a brief aside, I've been, I, the first season was mostly OSR games. Um, I might revisit that one day when I hopefully am, know more what I'm doing. Um, cause I really like that flavor as well. We've been doing mainly modern games up to this point and mainly they've been kind of crunchy games. So, um, or two, like a medium amount, uh, and more modern. So 5e for sure. Um, Savage Worlds, uh, and then Genesis. Uh, so yeah, I think the next one we're going to move into Genesis kind of transitions from more of a traditional style, um, into, uh, it's like half traditional and half narrative is how I would like to think of it. And so we're going to move into another one that moves a little bit farther on the spectrum of the narrative games, um, but still emulates the fiction, I would say of a, tr of a traditional game, uh, at least to a degree. Uh, and it's one of my very favorite games that I've played a lot. It's not quite all the way over to, to fate core, um, narrative wise, but, uh, the ep for today's episode, I'll be using dungeon world. Uh, I think, Personally, I think this is an underappreciated game, although I don't think it's for everyone. It's uh, from the Powered by the Apocalypse uh, kind of... Um, it's not a system per se. It's more of an ethos because there's a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games and they, they don't always share a lot of mechanics. Um, the Really, the only mechanic that they seem to all for sure share uh, is that you roll, 2D, uh, roll 2d6 and you... Um, have degrees of success. So six or below, and it's a, it's a failure. Seven to nine is a partial success and um, or success with cost. And then 10 plus is just a, a success. Um, anybody who's listened long enough uh, from season one will know that Offworlders is similar. Um, usually there are also moves in Power of the Apocalypse games. And once you say something in the fiction that corresponds with the description of a move, it triggers the move and then you do the roll. So you narrate first, roll after. Now, I, I think this is really, personally, I think this is always the way it's supposed to be. You don't, I personally prefer when people are like, I would like to make a perception check. You just say, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. And if it's, if it sounds like it should require a roll, then you say, okay, roll, whatever. Um, that's how I do it anyways. And I think this makes it um, fun. I know it's, I, I actually, I've had good success with the solo um, or at least co-op without a GM. I ran with that with a work game before with work colleagues with um, Mythic GM emulator. Uh, with my brother, who's uh, never really played RPGs, one time we I played at his first RPG session. He played with me. We played Dungeon World. We played with Mythic, um, just the two of us, and we had an absolute blast. Um, I think it's a great game. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, there's other other games in this kind of a system that are, are closer, like uh, Monster of the Week, um, obviously Apocalypse World, the first one. Um, and there there are definitely others. Uh, Uncharted Worlds has been one that's kind of interesting to me, and Impulse Drive for sci-fi. Um, there are also Systems that are similar but adjacent, but they're recognized as being very influenced by Dungeon World anyways. Iron Sworn is similar, the way it uses moves, but the mechanics are a little bit different. Um, still similarly, but again, different like influence would be the uh, Forged in the Dark games, which would be like Scum and Villainy, Blades in the Dark, uh, Band of Blades, uh, and so on. So it's, yeah, there's a whole family of, of games. They don't necessarily share uh, mechanics per se, but they share an ethos. I would say that it's not rules light, and it's not rules heavy. There's a lot of debate about this, but I would say that there, if you were to combine all of the moves from all the playbooks uh, or the class you can think of as classes, uh, there would be a lot of rules. But the, but in you only in come up, they only come up really as you invoke them. And so I think in general, it's not a lot of rules, especially for a player. Um, but it's just more more of the ethos, and it's like an evenly distributed um, set of mechanics. Okay, well I'm also going to be using a supplement this time. We're going to use uh, motif again as the um, uh, as the emulator, which I like when I'm playing um, games that use D6s, just because D6s. Although there are, you do have the full set um, of dice, and, uh, you only roll the other ones for uh, damage for Dungeon World. Uh, we'll go into more rules as they come up, but uh, the supplement I'm going to be using for this is the excellent The Perilous Wilds, which I learned about from Trevor Duvall, as many of the solo things I've learned about um, are from there on um, 
uh, me, myself, and die. Uh, this is an excellent, I mean, you could use this for any game. I just started using this in a Dungeon World game. It's really excellent. It's got a lot of extra moves. It's got a ton of random tables that could be used for anything, but it's got uh, improved moves for travel and for things like that. Um, so if you if you like Dungeon World, honestly, this is, uh, from from the, uh, the ones that I've had and looked through, this is honestly, at this point, just an indispensable um supplement for dungeon world it's not very expensive either um there are some others that i you know at some point that i want to get into uh but yeah it's just excellent stuff here okay so without further ado we are going to get into the episode so you're telling me the sky that i've spent my whole life living underneath the stars all of it you're telling me it's all an illusion? No. No, this I cannot abide. Yes, my friend. That is what I'm telling you. It is hard to accept. But I have much proof. Unfortunately, we have very little time. I'm under the impression that you have a deadline for your people. Yes, yes, I do need to get to the city. And I'm being watched by a strange group. Yes, I saw them at a distance. They're called the Pilgrims of the Single Mind. Hmm. So you've run into them before? Hmm. I think... Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to invoke a move here. Um, normally, if, if I'm trying to say something uh, about lore, then I would be spouting lore. In this case, I think I'm trying to discern realities. I'm trying to figure out what this immediate situation more or less is like. Um, so, so it's, if I was saying what the lore was or trying to think back to something that somebody told me, then that would be spout lore. But because I'm trying to read him and what he's saying, I'm going to... Uh, discern realities. So we're going to get to our first, um, our first roll for Dungeon World. So uh, important to note is that we've also hit um, a. Uh, it's going to be some, somewhat arbitrary, but I think we're entering the next phase of the story. Um, so I've just taken the liberty um, of leveling up. Uh, I take way more liberties with leveling up when I play solo because it's just unreasonable to expect your solo characters to level at the normal volume, uh, the normal pace for any of these games, really, since they're expecting more people. So I pretty much always go the milestone route. Um, so yeah, definitely starting out at level two here, and that will carry over back into uh, 5e or Pathfinder or whatever. Okay, so first roll here of Dungeon World. We're going to discern realities, and then I might potentially see about rolling on some tables in the Perilous Wilds for some inspiration here. But so we're going to discern realities to see what else I can kind of figure out about the situation here. All right, 10. So on a 10 plus, because uh, it's plus my wisdom, which I believe for me is even. Um, so usually you refer to uh, attributes that are... Uh, Wisdom, strength, intelligence, they're the normal ones. Uh, but you refer to them in the rules as the abbreviations, like whiz, stir, int. And so that's the modifier. So it's easier to say roll plus whiz, because every once in a while, it's not very often in moves, but more or less like derived attributes, um, you add the whole score. So hit points is 8 plus constitution. Not the modifier, but the whole number, for instance. Okay. Um, on a 10 plus... Uh, Ask the GM three questions for the list. So it's me. So I'll get to ask three or get three answers really here for the character. Um, so the questions are: What happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who's really in control here? What here is not what it appears to be? So um, I'm gonna go with uh, what here is not what it appears to be, and we're gonna work the answer is gonna basically come from our scholar friend here. Let's see what we can find in the Perilous Wilds. Um, so there are some tables for names. We can trust every, uh, trust. So name every person. Um, tables for dungeons. Rumors and legends. Uh, NPCs. So this is kind of cool. You can you can fill out can, uh, NPCs, context, things like that. There's some details uh, for, for people. Uh, dangers, creatures, things like that. 
Um, but we're gonna go for discoveries. So these are kind of like nested tables, which is kind of cool. So you could, you could roll all three dice at once and get an answer. So there's a table that goes to a section that has a tape, uh, sections that has a table in there, basically. Um, and I believe it basically is like a 3D12, which is, which is fun, because D12s are rad. Um, so I've only got the one in front of me, so I'm just gonna roll three times. So first, um, we're gonna ask like, what here is not what it appears to be, and it's gonna be a discovery. So 12 is in the structure section, and then two is, it is an infrastructure thing, and then uh, we'll roll one more time, four. This track or path. Hmm. Okay. So what here is not what it appears to be, and he says, um, "Yes, I'm. I'm familiar with the pilgrims. You see, the desert is also, at least partly, illusion. You, I, I don't think you fully understand it until you've studied it enough. I know this is going to sound challenging to you, but much of what we see in this current nightfall." is primarily illusion. It is a great set or series of illusion magics that have been placed on the world, altering its appearance, its behavior. But it is an illusion. And there is more than meets the eye. And he kind of like, when he turns his head, like the light hits his eye strangely, and it looks kind of weird. It's not quite like Raceland, like, you know, hourglass eyes, but it's, it's definitely like something there. Um, the paths through the desert are not what they appear, and the, the pilgrims are able to move. They, too, as you've probably noticed, are an illusion, but one of the reasons it's so hard to navigate through the desert, or it can be so hard, is that paths do not always lead where you think they lead. You can take the same path twice and end up in different places. Okay, so that's something that is um, uh, not what it appears to be. The ne next question is going to be, uh, who's really in control here? And what we're going to do for this is, um, I think, let's see, who's really in control here? Let's see if we can find another good table in here that might relate to this. I, I think we could do, kind of, let's, let's generate kind of uh, some sort of an NPC and see if it makes any sense. And if it doesn't, we'll just discard the result and we'll figure something out. Uh, some more D12 tables. Um, so maybe this is like... Context maybe isn't it. There's some occupation. There's some traits. I think let's go with maybe some uh, We'll go with occupation first maybe So some sort of a commoner or somebody who appears to be a commoner Two so uh, that is a hunter-gatherer Okay, so some sort of a hunter-gatherer is really in control here Hmm and you know what? Let's give this hunter-gatherer a name. There's the name every person. And what's cool is there's different flavor tables for like um, loosely based on different um, like different uh, ethnicities. So Hungarian, uh, Yoruba, Finnish, uh, Indonesian. This is pretty cool and rad. I like that. Um, I'm gonna pick one from maybe from the Yoruba um, names. So we'll roll on that table. I think this is a D100 table. Uh, so a mythic hunter-gatherer, maybe. Named 86, uh, Tobin. Uh, which is cool. Okay, so Tobin. And then there's, um, kind of, if you need names of a, of a steading or like a place or a mount, there's that, uh, which is cool. So Tobin. Surely you've, you've heard the tales of Tobin, the hunter. Yes. Tobin, the myths say, anyways, Tobin used to uh, hunt the night. He used to hunt uh, the darkness itself and chase it off each day. But that's just a story. Oh no, my friend. I'm afraid it's no mere story. Perhaps yes. But in our legends, there is often a grain of truth. You see, Tobin used to be in control but he has gone missing. He has been either captured or, or killed, I don't know. But he's certainly missing, which has led to this night, or at least the illusion thereof. Okay, so that's who's really in control here. And the next question will be, um, 
what is about to happen. And we're gonna go back to the discovery table because I'm just having so much fun with these tables. They're so good. Um, so yeah, what is about to happen? We're gonna go into, um, let's see. We're gonna go back into the discovery table. Some sort of uh, structure again. Two, another infrastructure. And then seven, so a bridge or ford. Okay, this is what I think it is here. You see, the night must come to an end. We need to take control back. We need to find Tobin. The only way we can do that is we need to travel into the spirit world. But I... Don't we need to go to the city? Yes. You see, our paths have crossed. And it's not for... Mere coincidence that we've met. For you are headed with this desert rose... Into the city. I also must head back to the city from whence I came. For we must cross over... Into the spirit realm. Hmm. I see. What then will become of the people in the city if we simply vanish? I don't know if time passes the same way, but I know that we must, we must pierce the veil of this illusion before us. We must ford the river that lies between the plains. Well then. We shouldn't waste any time. Quick. We must be off. Okay. So they're gonna be they're gonna head through the desert. We've got some rules for that. Um, we will have to play a little bit loose with them because we don't have more than one person. Uh, but we do have some stuff for uh, it's the idea of Perilous Wilds is supposed to take some of the idea of the tables and the feeling of some of these tables and procedures from things like um, AD and D and BX and kind of port them into Dungeon World. Um, not wholesale, but just the feeling of them. Okay, so uh, the move that's just been triggered is uh, um, so there's a journey when you travel by a safe route, but as we know, the desert is not a safe route. So when we are undertaking a perilous journey, when we travel through dangerous lands and not are on a safe route, we indicate our directions. We're headed to the city. Um, ask the GM how far you need to go before making camp. I think we can do it in two days, so we'll have to camp once, uh, normally. So we're gonna head through the desert. Uh, so we need one party to, a member to scout ahead and one to navigate. Um, now, in the original one, when you don't have enough people, you assume failure. I'm not gonna assume failure, but I am gonna assume that he rolls a seven to nine. He's only ever gonna get a partial success. Um, I'm going to... Um, navigate, I believe, and let him scout. Actually, he, I'm going to let him navigate uh, since he knows the desert better, it seems, and I'm going to scout ahead. So, scout ahead. When you take point and look uh, for anything out of the ordinary, roll plus whiz. Okay. So we can do that. I have no wisdom modifier, so that's a nine. Uh, so, on a seven to nine, choose one from the list below. Uh, you get the drop on whatever lies ahead. You discern a beneficial aspect of the terrain. Uh, shortcut shelter for a tactical advantage. Um, you make a discovery. You notice the sign of a nearby danger. Ask the GM what it is and what it might signify. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think we're going to notice the sign... Actually, let's do a discovery. Um, let's, yeah, let's do a discovery. So as we're going through the desert, we're going to discover something. Uh, I want to see uh, what basically would happen with the navigate... Um, move for our friend here. I don't think he has a name, so we should probably give him a name in a second. Um, on a 7 to 9, you choose 1. You happen upon a discovery missed by the scout. Uh, the going is slow, you, or you wander off course. The GM says which. Um, you encounter a danger. Whether or not you're surprised depends on whether the scout has the drop on it. So, um, I'm going to say that uh, we wander off course a little bit. Um, because uh, we're just we're trying to make time as quickly as possible. The wind keeps blowing. Uh, we we veer off course a little bit, and we discover what I discovered on my move, 
from the discovery tables. A seven. Uh, that's a creature. This is not an immediate threat, but it might become one. Roll on 49. Okay, so we've got a creature first. Um, four. Uh, it's an, uh, let's see, four means it's a beast. So then it's, uh, let's see what kind, 10. It's an airborne creature, cool. Ah! Um, it's airborne and then it is six, a gull or water bird. Okay, it's a gull or water bird. I'm gonna grab something. There is a bestiary basically included in Dungeon World, although it's ridiculously easy to st uh, stat monsters just off the top, so if I don't see something immediately when I'm just flipping through, I'll just come up with something on the spot because it's really that easy to do in Dungeon World. Um, it's one of the easiest, I think, personally, to uh, to make. Uh, so let's see if there's anything that we can just borrow kind of stats from. Um, I think I... I think I, I kind of know what I want to do here. It's a little bit different from what the description on the thing said, but that's okay. Um, because they're rad cool, and we need to have one in this game at some point here. Um, so let me take two seconds to maybe pause the uh, recording so I can get to the right page here, because I'm looking for something specific. Okay, actually, I'm going to take the entry next to it, because it seemed more exciting. Okay, so as we're wandering through, uh, through the desert, all of a sudden we hear uh, a loud screech, uh, and then uh, we hear a loud <sighs> something big. Uh, lands ahead. Um, I, as we've noticed, I do not have the, the drop on it. Um, I see signs of, of, a, of a creature, um, and before I can say anything, uh, we hear this thud. Um, we do, uh, even though we don't have the drop on it, I have seen the signs of it, so we're able to, uh, to hide out a little bit. So we try to potentially sneak around it, um, or stay put and see if, uh, if we can avoid fighting this thing, because what, what sits down is we see a huge a huge beast that looks like a lion, a scorpion, it has the wings of a drake. Um, it's, it's a maddening looking thing with large iron spikes on its tail. And its instincts are to kill, to poison, and to rip something apart. Okay. A giant manticore has landed directly in front of us. Combat in Dungeon World does not work like, or does work like the rest of the game. Unlike most games where you have combat that's a separate subsystem, in Dungeon World it's really no different. There's no initiative, there's no turns. It's always going to come down to the moves. Okay. Let's see here. I think here, um, I'm going to have to dip into part of my, part of my character that's kind of fun on, um, on Dungeon World, where I have the Barbarian uh, class here. Okay, um, I have what's called, one of my moves is Herculean Appetites. Um, and so mine that are picked there from a list, there, the list is Pure Destruction, Power Over Others, Mortal Pleasures, Conquest, Riches and Property, Fame and Glory. So based on the way that Thorin has been so far, I have Conquest and Fame and Glory. So even though Riches and Property can kind of fit in there, it's more about Fame and Glory and then the Conquest of getting back uh, as people's temple. Outsider. Okay, so um, let's see. I could just I could get up and try to try to fight this thing off. Um, oh, it seems so dangerous. It looks so dangerous, but I don't know if Thorin's Thorin's not afraid, but he's not stupid. I think it's the main thing. Uh, I think we're gonna try to at least sneak around. We can't just try to sneak away per se, but I think we can maybe try to sneak to, um, like at least sneak behind or or to get um, some sort of a tactical advantage here. Um, yeah. So I think we're gonna try to sneak around. Um, so I'm gonna say uh, that's probably the kind of the catch-all move here is defy danger, and I'm gonna say this is probably defy danger dexterity as we're trying to move. Uh, silently um, through uh, to get a, a tactical advantage here. So TD6 plus dex. Uh, that's a 12 plus 1. So definitely succeed. So we, we um, all of a sudden Thorin like is just 
like the wind uh, kind of dancing through um, through here as we're able to sneak kind of around um, uh, the manticore that every time the wind picks up we move with the wind um, and keep ourselves kind of hidden and buried as much as possible in the sand almost like a like a, a desert snake that buries itself in the sand uh, so it definitely hasn't hurt us yet um, yeah I think I'm gonna look around and see there an, is there an obvious way out, or is there any sort of like shelter here? Um, it's a discerning reality. We're just going to ask uh, the oracle basically here. I think it's this one. Is there is there obvious um, cover around? Uh, yes, there is. Um, a, some small rocks there. Um, they're pretty close to us. We can kind of get on top of them. So I think we're going to we're going to kind of climb on top of the rocks. Um, no way really around us. We can try to wait and see it pass by. But I think Thorin's starting to get really antsy. And he's like, mm, enough of this hiding. And he is gonna, uh, yeah, he's gonna, um, all of a sudden, uh, the, the uh, Thorin's friend here is like, what? No, we can't possibly. And then Thorin jumps out and says, what are you waiting for? Bring it on, beast! And um, uh, long-time listeners are now shuddering. They're like, oh my gosh, why is he fighting a manticore? He's going to kill this PC like everyone, every other one. But I don't care, because I think that that's something that Thorin would do here. So, um, this is a move called What Are You Waiting For? When you cry out a challenge to your enemies, roll plus con. Okay. Uh, that's a uh, five plus con. So that's a six. That's no good. Um, on a 10 plus, they treat you as the most obvious threat. On 7 to 9, only a few um, fall prey to your taunting. But I have made a miss, which is where the GM would normally take a hard move against me. So what's going to happen is the uh, Manticore is not buying it. Um, and he jumps up and he smacks over uh, the, the mage here. He, sees, he looks and sees the weaker of the two. Uh, and he, is, he pins him down. Um, so now he's separating us and, and pinning pinning down the mage friend here. Thorin looks surprised that it says it works. His, his courage has failed him. Uh, so he is going to uh, try to run up an attack, but I think this is a dangerous creature that has reach here, reach tag. And I think that even to, to even hit the thing, I'm going to have to defy danger dexterity to try to, try to get it in there. De uh, defy danger um, is... Uh, or actually, you know what? Because uh, it's all, all about how you defy that uh, figures out what you're going to do. And I think really I'm just going to try to power through. I'm going to try to run in there. The stinger's going to come up and I'm going to try to deflect it with my sword and just like deflect on there and there and just like really just, I'm not trying to be sneaky or dodgy or whatever. I'm just going to try to smack the tail out of the way with a sword. So I think it's more like defy danger strength by powering through. So 2d6 plus strength. Oh no! That's Snake Eyes, so that's only a total of four. It's no good. Um, I'm for sure gonna take some damage here, I think, is what it's gonna come down to. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take some damage. So here's kinda how this works in this game. Um, uh, that's one of the hard moves you could get. I could also like lose my sword or whatever. There's all kinds of stuff you can do beyond just like hacking and slashing at each other. It's supposed to be more dynamic than that, uh, which is honestly one of my favorite parts of the game. Uh, is is kind of that. So, um, I lost my page, and I should have put a bookmark for the Manticore. Okay, now I got a bookmark. Yeah. So, um, so one of the moves is that could do damage. That is one of the hard moves it would take. Um, I also have a list. Uh, one of the fun ways I think that uh, you can take the normal list. There are uh, example moves that the GM is supposed to make uh, from a list of moves. I honestly don't usually think about it. I just kind of do what makes sense, and it ends up usually falling in one of those. There are different ones, also moves for dungeon, uh, stuff like that. So I've actually got tables if I ever need them. Uh, if I don't know what a hard move should be, that I can roll randomly on. But for now, I, I think it's just going to hit me with a tail um, on this hard move from uh, missing. So it's going to do uh, D10, D10 plus one damage. Uh, and it's one piercing means it ignores one armor. Um, I have one armor because even though I don't wear on armor, one of my starting moves is unencumbered, unharmed. So as long as I'm uh, carrying below my load, which is encumbrance, and don't wear army and or army and don't wear, I got it from army. Um, if I don't wear armor and don't carry a shield, I take plus one armor. So 
So if I'm not encumbered, I don't have a shield or armor, I get plus one armor, so I have one armor. And armor in this game is damage reduction. However, the Manticore's tail is sharp and avoids one of these. So it does, okay, three, uh, three damage. So I'm down to 20 out of 23. Damage. Oh man, okay. Um, yeah, 20 out of 23. definitely get hit. Uh, poison is one of the things that could possibly happen. Um, it says it's one of the instincts anyways. It doesn't have specifically um, something like this. You don't have to do that. Uh, yeah, so that's her. So Thorn, Thorn also gets wham! Smacked on a leg with a shin. Ah! With this, this, this cruel spike. Um, still, still not close enough to, uh, to get to get to our mage friend here, who I think we, at this point now, we just need to give him a name. So, I'm gonna roll for him on the name every person table. I'm gonna pick a Hungarian name for him. And his name is 36 Ferdinand. Okay. Ferdinand. The scholar. Ferdinand. Scholar. All right. I love how I can't spell when I'm doing the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I'm still gonna have to try to get get in there, get into place um, to even hit this thing. That's kind of why there's the article that, like the the you know dragons only have I think it's like 16 hit points because to even get up to the thing is hard, and then to even really do meaningful damage where you're gonna threaten it, you have to position just right. Uh, so it's dangerous, even though there's not a lot of hit points. I think that's part of the danger here. Um, but before I, I can want to attack it, I think the first thing is I'm going to try to see if I can, um, not necessarily going to try to damage it so much as see if I can, like, try to free, um, free Ferdinand from its grip. Uh, so I, I, which I think is more or less going to be a defy danger, um, strength again as I just try to power through. I'm just going to run in there and try to, like, rip him out. Um, and, like, slash my sword not to do damage so much, but to free Ferdinand from... Uh, from its grip, so uh, it's gonna be 2d6 plus strength. Uh, let's see, that's a 9 plus 2, so that's 11, so that is a success. Uh, so, which means that um, on a 10 plus, oh, sorry, that's the wrong, wrong one. So basically, what I'm trying to do is it happens, basically, when you, when you defy danger. Okay, so yeah, I'm able to go there, like, slash, like, kind of slash, and the, the manticore has to move, move its paw at the last moment. Uh, uh, and I grab, grab, um, Ferdinand and, like, kind of rip him out of the way, pull him behind me, um, and, uh, I once again pit myself between myself and the Manticore. I think I'm in position now where I can actually try to attack it as well. Um, so I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna try to hack and slash and hit it with my sword, uh, to see what I can do to it. That is an 11 plus, uh, hack and slash, uh, you add your strength. Um, so that's a plus two, so it's 13. It's almost as high as you can get, really. Uh, so, on 10 plus, you deal your damage and avoid their attack. Um, you can also choose to do plus D6 damage to expose yourself to their attack, um, which I think is not what's going to happen. I'm just going to do my damage, which is uh, a D10. So you're, you have damage for your class. It doesn't really matter your weapon, per se. And moves can affect it and so on, but usually it's just your your damage die. So I do d10 damage. Ooh, I did max damage. Okay. Or no, not max damage. I ran, <laughs> I rolled the, the d100 one and I got excited. It said 10. And I was like, oh, 50, 70. Oh, that's minimum damage. That's one. One damage. Okay. Uh, so that's going to take this uh, manticore from... What's on my bookmark here? It's gonna take it from 16 down to 15. It's not a whole lot done there, not a whole lot done. Oh, and you know what, it has three armor. So that doesn't even do anything. It's got a lot of armor. So I go to hit it, but it's just, it's it's thick hide uh, blocks the entirety of the attack. Thorin says, huh, oh, this, this maybe isn't good. Hmm, not sure I thought this plan entirely through. Hmm. But it sure'd make a heck of a story, eh? 
So I'm gonna run up and try try again to hit it. Uh, this time though, um, because I'm pursuing one of my Herculean appetites for fame and glory, um, it says if you ro would roll for a move, instead of rolling 2d6, you roll 1d6 and a d8. So there's more to it uh, that we'll get to. Uh, so first we're gonna roll that. So I maybe have a better chance to hit the hack and slash. That is a total of nine, uh, 10, 11. So yeah, I, I definitely hit. Um, and then it says, if the D6 is higher than the D8, which is true, the GM will also introduce a complication or danger that comes about due, due to your heedless pursuits. Okay. Um, yeah, so here's, I think that's what's gonna happen. So first, I do succeed enough, and I'm gonna do plus D6 damage with that option. So I'm gonna open myself to its attack, and then there's an additional complication that's gonna happen here. So I'm gonna roll my D10 for damage, add my D6, Okay, now that is max damage. That's 16 damage total. Um, so minus three for its armor. It's 13 damage. This is an absolutely, I mean, maximum possible hit that you could possibly have as a barbarian here, which is crazy. So I get in there and I like really stab it, um, like get right underneath it, stab straight up, kind of like, you know, like a He-Man thing or whatever. Um, 16 damage has three armor, which means that it's down to three health. But here's the thing, there is an additional complication. Um, and it does say complication, it doesn't necessarily say hard move. Um, so, I, But I think what it does is it wraps me, like, and by wrap I mean like it smacks me with its tail. Um, but it doesn't hit me with a spike so much uh, because of the way I'm positioned under it, but it is enough that it knocks me down and pins me down. Um, so I, uh, I think it's gonna give me minus one forward, so here's another piece of terminology you have plus one and minus one forward, meaning the next roll is at a plus one or minus one. You also have ongoing, um, where you're affected like that ongoing. I think actually instead, uh, instead of saying that, instead of saying plus one forward, I think I'm pinned at the moment. So I have minus one ongoing as long as I'm pinned. So I can still try to attack it at a minus one, but I'm not able to reach up as much. So I'm gonna be at a disadvantage here until I can free myself from being pinned down uh, by its tail. So I think, uh, I think the next thing really is, is that I'm gonna try to like, I'm gonna try to just like barrel out of here. I'm gonna just try to, um, uh, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to like s slash the tail um, quickly just to, just to try to get it to, to move off. And I could consider quick thinking, which is intelligence, it's not my thing anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say, not because I'm trying to metagame, but I really think it's still just trying to power through it. I'm just trying to like ugh, lift this tail off of this manticore. Um, okay, that's a, yeah, that's a 13. Uh, so I definitely am able to like ugh, lift the manticore off. Um, and I think that uh, uh, probably my companion here is kind of trying to take a few swipes too, but he's trying to stay out of the way. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think at this point I'm gonna I'm gonna try to slash it again, and this may not seem super exciting with all this hack and slashing. Um, oh, actually, you know what I want to do? Uh, I did have a bow that didn't come in my normal equipment, um, but I did have a bow, and I'm gonna give myself because I forgot to write it down before um, on my sheet because I it's it's not something you start with, but it is something my other character had. So I'm gonna have a bow, and I'm gonna say. Um, uh, three ammo for that. So ammo is kind of um, abstracted, not because you don't have to keep track of it, and so that way it's in some ways not different from tracking individual arrows, but it's more, it's, it's moves can affect it, you, you having and not having enough ammo. So I think instead of, I'm gonna roll out and kind of like stash my sword, I'm gonna pull out my bow um, as, I, as I've rolled off a little bit here, instead of trying to get up and close, I'm gonna try to volley and shoot this thing um, on the other side of it. So I'm gonna roll 2d6, this is gonna be 2d6 plus dex. Oh, snake eyes, it's a total of three, it's no good. Um, so it means it's gonna, uh, it's gonna make a hard move, so I shoot. Um, mm, okay. Uh, yeah, that's rough. So I'm just taking a couple shots, but I just, I can't seem to, I can't seem to hit it. And I think the other thing that happens is that um, it's gonna hit, uh, hit Ferdinand, and for the moment, um, he is, again, knocked down. Uh, he does not seem to be moving at the moment. 
Um, I'm not tracking stats for him, by the way, for this. I just want him to be the narrative piece. Um, so he gets knocked down at the moment, and he's probably going to be looking pretty rough. So um, I think at this point I'm going to try to have to. I'm going to try to run. It's I think the Manticore is probably um, like about to try to like coup de gras. Uh, him, he's gonna try to hit him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get myself in the way with a sword and see if I can prevent damage from him. So this is another move. This is called defense, or defend. So this is gonna be 2d6 plus con. Uh, it's a six on the dice plus one. It's a seven. On a seven to nine, I get hold one, which means I get to spend kind of a point on one of these. So I can do it now or later, but I'm gonna get to do one of these things. As long as I stand in defense, uh, when uh, you or the thing you defend is attacked, you may spend uh, spend a hold. One for one. Choose an option. Redirect an attack from the thing you defend to yourself. Have the attack's effect of damage. Open up the attacker to an ally, giving that ally plus one forward. Deal damage to the attacker equal to your level. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to... I think realistically, narratively, the way I'm playing this, redirecting is really the only... Um, the only way this is going to go is I just throw myself in there trying to take the brunt of the force um, so that it does it that Manticore does a d10 plus one damage one piercing that is nine so I'm going to take nine damage which brings me down to 11 out of 23 okay I think uh, I think Thorin is like sees it though looking pretty rough beats his chest and is like I'm not ho going home without a good story. And so, again, I think Herculean Appetites. So, D6 plus D8. Uh, 2D6 plus Strength. I'm going to try to hit with the sword. Okay, yeah, that's a ton. That's 12 plus 14. Um, the D6 is not greater than D8, so there's no complication. So, I'm going to roll my damage, and I'm going to do the extra D6, opening myself up to the attack. Um, which I think I forgot to do last time, so I'll, I'll go ahead and retroactively do that. Um, that's an 8, another 9, so it brings me down to 2 health. So I wouldn't have, to be honest, if I had remembered to do that before, I wouldn't have made that move, but here we are now. So now, because I haven't rolled damage yet, I'm not going to roll the extra d6, because that's crazy opening myself up to attack. Um, so I'm just going to roll my damage die, which is a d10. Oh man, this could be, could be for it all. Okay, I rolled a 9. Um... And so yeah, so that's an, uh, even with its armor of three that still does six damage, it's enough to kill the manticore as I, uh, it, it smacks me again. And I'm just like, I kind of run and jump up. I like run along the back of the tail of the manticore, come with the sword and jam it down right on the neck below, like right behind the head, pull down and then just like slide off from the side of the manticore with the sword, cutting a huge gash down the arm. Uh, splitting the better part of the manticore open. The bloody mess all over me and looking pretty rough. I think uh, the combat is over. Thorne's trying to catch his breath. <sighs> that was a good fight, eh? That was an incredibly stupid thing you did. You should have died. The whole audience listening to the podcast thinks you were going to die. <laughs> It's a good thing we're playing Dungeon World then. Um, but yeah, Thorin says, uh, well, I didn't want to cower in fear. And I think um, Thorin's going to grab. I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to count it as a weight because I don't think it's going to really matter. It's not going to take up much weight, I don't think. Um, but for flavor, I think I'm going to take the, uh, uh, I'm going to like cut with a sword. I'm going to cut out uh, a manticore spike. Um, and I think he's gonna like take a little bit of time here to like chop up some of the some of the hide, the recognizable part of the hide, um, so he can wear it over him in the desert. Um, and so I've got the manticore spike and then the manticore hide. Um, it's not enough. It's not gonna be thick enough, I don't think, to count as armor. Um, but maybe it'll help. Like maybe I can use it narratively later to like help scare people off that of like, hey, I've killed a manticore. Like I'm a big deal. Um, yeah, so we, we are going to continue traveling through the desert. Um, that is the encounter that they found. Um, so uh, we're going to make camp um, for the night. I'm not going to... Uh, well, uh, well, let's do the move. Let's do the move first with make camp and see what happens. Uh, I don't want to hand wave too much, even though my character is in a little bit of peril. 
Uh, I think my buddy here is gonna um, have to do the do the keeping guard. So um, we have, I think, uh, rules in uh, well, definitely in the main game, but I, th I believe there's the uh, it's with the travel rules, the updated travel rules. It kind of splits it out a little bit um, to a way that makes more sense. And so in Perilous Wilds, I'll have the uh, making camp rules. Um, it's also weathered the storm first. Okay, here we go. So make camp. When you settle into rest, choose one member of your party to manage provisions. Then if you eat and drink, and how many, um, or then you, if you eat and drink, you have, and have enough XP, you may level up. Um, okay. So what we're going to do is, um, I'll manage the provisions before we, before we rest. Um, so I'm going to roll that move. Oh, say it says, uh, the GM choose one. Okay. So manage provisions. So I'm gonna roll for that, which is gonna be 2d6 plus wisdom. Oh, I got two sixes, awesome, so 12. Um, so in 10 plus, you choose one from the list below. Um, careful management reduces the amount of rations consumed. The party consumes the expected ration and the food you prepare is excellent. Describe it and everyone who licks their lips takes plus one forward. Yeah, okay, so we're, we are dining on manticore tonight. We cook it over the fire. Um, and uh, maybe I carry like some like, uh, or maybe Ferdinand carries like some spices with him, uh, and we we make this uh, amazing rare um, uh, manticore meat. Uh, and so I think I'm gonna write down somewhere. There's usually a place on the, sh the sheet for it. I don't see it at the moment, um, but for the moment I have a plus one forward. Um, so let me write that down so I don't forget. All right. So next roll is a plus one. So now. Um, the GM chooses one person on watch during the night. Uh, it's gonna be Ferdinand because he's I think in better shape than I So and it, they say it says roll plus nothing which I kind of like that on this one um, He would get plus one forward as well from the meal. So I'm gonna apply that to him So it's, he's gonna get a plus one for that uh, Which is good because he rolled a five. That's a six. It's not good enough um, so on a six below everyone marks XP oh, which I should have been doing because every time you fail a roll you mark XP um, and I rolled, or I failed twice. This is the third time I failed, so that's three XP. So yeah, you, you fail in this game. That's how you get experience. Uh, and a danger manifests. You better stay sharp. So we're gonna figure out what this is. Um, and uh, yeah, so it says, but whoever's in watch had better stay sharp. Uh, hmm. Yeah, okay. A danger manifests. So, let's roll on the danger table. What kind of danger? 12. It is a creature. It says roll on the next page. What kind of creature? 2. Uh, it's a beast. Uh, 10. It is airborne. Uh, nine. It says a hawk or a falcon. Uh, so a hawk or a falcon comes up uh, in the in the night. Well, it's all it's always night, but we're, as we're trying to rest. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think we stay sharp. I'm gonna say it's a more of a looming danger than an immediate one. Um, so I'm still gonna let myself sleep here. Um, but I think that Ferdinand recognizes the 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 hawk. It comes from. Uh, it, it comes from some sort of a hunter, and it's it's not a natural hawk. It's it's an, it's like an undead hawk, um, and he knows at least vaguely what the source is. Um, so the danger is not so much that it attacks, but that it reports back as to where they are. Um, so after getting a little bit of sleep, um, they're going to have to move. So they won't be safe here the whole time. Okay, but when you wake from at least a few hours of uninterrupted sleep and you ate and drank the night before, heal damage equal to half your max HP. So we're going to round down. Half my max HP is 11. So I'm now up to 13 out of 23. And Ferdinand says, while you were sleeping, there was a hawk that came to the camp. So what? It's not merely a hawk, but it's a... It is a hawk of... Well, the undead. More of your stories and tales. What's more is I know the owner of the hawk. 
and we won't be able to stay here for long. Unless we want to join their ranks. I think all of a sudden we hear like a, a screeching far off and there's a green flash of uh, light in the distance. It's almost like green lightning, but it goes from the ground up. Boom. He says, we've been found. And that's where we're going to end it for this uh, this episode. Thank you so much all for listening. I hope you enjoyed Dungeon World. I hope you enjoyed The Perilous Wilds. I will probably, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I, th- I think as far as I'm playing sci- or not sci-fi, fantasy games on the show, I'm probably just going to always use Perilous Wilds from now on, no matter what game it is. Um, even if I'm not using the dungeon, playing Dungeon World, I won't use the moves part, but I'll probably always use the tables because they're rad and they're awesome and I love them. Uh, and so yeah, it's a good even if you're not playing Dungeon World, I think Perilous Wilds honestly is worth the money for any game that you're playing solo or just where you want to have good tables Um, there's other cool stuff too like weather tables and stuff that we haven't even gotten to Um, so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed um, this this session, Uh, yeah, let me know what you think about Dungeon World, Uh, send me an email uh, call in um, or, you know, message me on the Audio Dungeon Discord, which is a really cool bunch of people uh, talking about uh, all kinds of games. Not just OSR games, but definitely plenty of uh, great OSR games. Uh, so please check that out. Also, please check um, Jason Uko is a faithful uh, caller. Um, check out his show, uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Very cool. Talks about all kinds of, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, as you might imagine, there's a variety. Definitely games. Um, different kinds of movies, films. He does some unboxings. It's always good stuff. Um, Jason, you're good people. Um, So yeah, we'll see you next time on Subclass Act.